Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. What is Must Love Self all about? It's about our bodies, our worth, and our voices. It is a movement, an attitude. It is a decision. It is a project. It is a journey. It is a life choice. Every week I get to interview a brave woman who may not be perfect, but is on the path and is willing to share their ugly and their beautiful. I have the absolute pleasure of connecting with Natasha Koo, who is currently making a human baby inside of her beautiful body right now. And I want to welcome her. Natasha, welcome. Thank you so much. Will you tell us where you're calling from? Uh, where? Well, we are. Um, I'm in KL. Uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia at the moment. I'm so honored that you are spending your morning with me because it's my evening and you are so Mm -hmm. patient and I love you. (laughs) Tell us what you do professionally so everyone can understand what you're going to be talking about and from that viewpoint. Yeah. So I'm a relationship coach and funny enough, I actually work with my husband very closely within our business. So if you go to you know, our website, you actually see the both of us. Um, But mostly we work with wives. Um, We can work with both, but mostly we work with wives. And usually it's the case that she wants something to change within the marriage or the relationship. She sees that some things aren't really working anymore, but he might not be on board for that change. So either he doesn't see it the way she does, doesn't really take it as seriously or doesn't want to change, right? So those are the women we're helping with. The ones we call them like the guardians of the relationship. Because mm. even if you want him to step up and be with you on a journey, go to counseling with you, like sometimes you're the one who needs to step up and just start the process. So yeah, that's what we do. And I feel like there's a great deal of healing that can happen for relationships yes. because a lot of these intimate relationships, they're really behind closed doors. Yes. You might complain. You're not and posting sh- on Facebook yeah. the bad stuff. Yeah. You might share with your girlfriend. You might complain about what's going on, but the nitty gritty deep down stuff in your heart, you still might not tell anyone. And so that's why I think it's really important that like my story or anything like this is it's quite transparent because I feel like we, we have to talk more about it. This is exactly what I feel about the topic we're about to talk about today, must love self, because everything you just threw down about being a guardian of the relationship is the exact thing that we need to do with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And before we started recording, we talked about how you cannot be in a successful relationship if you don't honor and know and love and accept yourself because it just, because then you're always going to look to that other person to make me feel whole. So my first question to you is why did you say yes to this crazy conversation? I think my, I want to spread this message and, and my personal journey is actually very, very much in line with what you do and the conversations that you hold because it was quite a journey to actually get to a good place within my relationship. But before that happened, I needed to do a lot of healing for myself as a woman. Yes. I really needed to. And I would say, you know, growing up, I guess your main role model is probably your mom, but I didn't have the best relationship with my mom. Like it was actually one um, quite based in fear um, because she tr- really tried her best to love love us and care for us. And one of those women who like spent her life being a housewife, like just for us at home, you know, that, that was her purpose. But I grew up in this environment where there was so much rage, to be honest, like it, just, it was just rage where... Some I did something wrong and I was never a bad kid, really. I, 
I wasn't really crazy, crazy bad kid, but little things I would always felt like, feel like I got blamed for, or I would then get in trouble or get yelled at. So I never really felt safe. And so I kind of grew up being this happy little bunny, uh, mediating all sorts of conflicts, trying to make everyone happy. And I thought that was safety, which was really not. That was just putting on an act to make anyone trying to make everything happy. better. Yeah. To make everything. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. And I'm going to come back to your early childhood because I think it's crucial that we start there. Mm -hmm. um, a few questions before that. One thing that I think that's really important for women in particular, and I'm not finding it so much in younger women, but I definitely do in older generations is that we don't want to admit how old we are. I actually just mm -hmm. did an interview with my grandmother who's 87 oh. and I asked her why. And she said that in her day, women don't age well. And I said, what does mm -hmm. that mean? And she said, you get saggy and wrinkly and you're not attractive to men usually. And their thought process was, we don't want anyone to know how old we are, so we're not going to be wanted. And I thought mm -hmm. that is so uncomfortable to hear. So I want to celebrate our age. How old are you? I'm 30. Awesome. I want to get a baseline for our conversation on a scale of one to 10. I want you to share where you are currently. And then also the lowest you've ever been mm -hmm. in three categories. The first one is going to be your body. And one is like, I'm a monster to myself. And 10 is, I think I'm amazing. Where are you currently? And I, I think it's an interesting time because your body is doing something incredible. Where are you currently with your body image? I, I'd say seven, eight. Depends on the day. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what, have you ever had um, issues with your body image when, when you were younger? Yeah, definitely. What's the lowest your number you think has ever been? Mm, the lowest, lowest, I would say like a two, like when it was like a really, when I was being really harsh to myself, it probably got there. Yeah, I can really relate to that. I think that the thing that's the most painful is the, the harshness that we mm. are to ourselves, that inner talk. And that's something that we're going to talk about. Um, next section for you to give yourself a little scale on is what would you currently rate your worth? you knowing your worth and what you think about yourself? I'd say like a nine. That's awesome. Yeah. Has it ever been lower? Yeah, absolutely. What's the lowest you think it's been? It's only upon reflection because at that moment, right, I would not course. agree with yeah. you, right? <laughs> like, because I wouldn't know, no, but I think probably two. And what really. was happening at that time in your life? I think I was really having an issue within the relationship. And I got to the point where even though my husband was next to me, like physically in the same room as me, present with me, doing nothing else, just being there for me and loving me, I didn't feel it. Like I couldn't let it in. Someone was there to love me. I couldn't feel anything. Like there was such a guarded heart and there was such a blockage of allowing myself to receive that. I was completely isolated. So I love I was, hearing what you just said about yeah. your guarded heart. Mm. And, and we're going to get more into that because I want to know in your story, what made your heart guarded. And I, mm. and I, I'm really interested in that. What would you rate your ability to use your voice on your behalf? Mm. I'd say eight. And what do you think it's the lowest has been? Four. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say one. And what was that, was that around the same time or was it more your childhood? I'd say throughout, no, actually within the relationship too, really. Yeah. We'll get there. Awesome. Okay. So at what age do you remember being aware of how your body looked and being kind of uncomfortable with it? Mm -hmm. I was super young, like definitely under 10. Like I wouldn't know the exact right. number, but I, there were a lot of comments thrown around by who? It was very unconscious and it wasn't malicious. I do have to say it wasn't meant to be malicious, but as a child, you understand, you absolutely understand. So I remember like my mom saying things, I think, I don't know, maybe I was like five, six, seven. Um, and like as little children, you're quite 
bony and just like limby and just kind of growing upward like a little tree and so I was quite thin in that stage and then at some point I would start to fill up a bit more and my mom literally like would like just say this a side comment like oh your butt used to be so nice and perky now it's all like flat and saggy and I'm like as like a seven eight year old who's you know I'm like oh okay I guess I lost my nice but like, and even at that age, I mean, it, it's almost, I'm, I'm sure she didn't mean it that way, but it's almost like a sexualizing comment, meaning that some, a girl who's not even 10 years old yet needs to already have this per- perky, right. sexy ass. Um, I don't know what for, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go in that direction and I've lost something good because I'm starting to hit puberty or whatever. It so was. you kind of put that in the back of your mind of, I need to look a certain way in order to be attractive. Yeah. Or somehow that my body is starting to change and that it's going in this direction. That's n- not attractive. So mm-hmm. maybe I should look like, so something's little- wrong with me. Yeah, absolutely. And also my dad was very, very um, almost passive in parenting. But I remember going to like his friend's house, like a family friend, and we're going to go to his place. And my dad's usually very, very quiet. So I don't hear much feedback in terms of body image and that kind of thing. But his friend said something very insensitive. I don't think he meant it again, not malicious, but he met me for the first time. I can't quite remember maybe I was in middle school at this age so a bit older Um, and he met me and then he said to my dad oh I don't know what you're talking about she doesn't look that bad so I was like what must my dad have said to him for him to say that you know and I didn't I don't need to know the full conversation but I can kind of imagine what my dad has mentioned to him I can just see like that little that young girl like going in going in you know, like folding in. Yeah. Because if my dad is talking about me, what does that mean? I want to go back a little bit to what you said earlier about how you did not have the best relationship with your mom. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think is really interesting to look at for all of us is what the women in our life showed us as Mm -hmm. women and like Mm -hmm. what we saw a beauty was and what we thought about what we heard you don't want to do this and you want to do this and, and be careful about this, whether it was verbal or, or just her doing it, who, what was she saying or what was she showing you about mm-hmm. womanhood? In some ways I couldn't quite relate um, with, with her feminine story because she, I guess in an Asian way, I think different cultures have completely different standards of what beauty is. A hundred percent. But growing up, she was, like seen and told that she's incredibly pretty, very beautiful. And even in school, she got all the boys, whoever she wanted. So like that vanity gave her a lot. I wouldn't say it's self-worth because I don't think that was what landed. It was more like, wow, I have this armor and it's powerful and I can use it to influence boys and I can get what I want kind of in society and I'm seen as beautiful. So kind of this vanity from my mom um, became a a huge character trait, almost like a big part of her. Um, So can I just stop you for a second? Because I think that's Mm -hmm. such an interesting concept. You know, a lot of the women I speak with, they don't see themselves as beautiful, but there is this idea of women who are seen as beautiful by society and what it means to like you said it was an armor Mm -hmm. and that is also dangerous because when the beauty changes not fades because they call it fades but when it changes and we grow and our bodies and faces change and we age then their identity of well then what am I really gets rocked. And mm-hmm. I think all of us experience that in different ways, but I'm, I'm wondering what it was like for you as her daughter, mm-hmm. because she must've felt some sort of power with that. Did you see or hear her struggle with it as she changed? Or did you see or hear her say anything to you about what you needed to look like? I mean, right now there is a struggle yeah. because she has reached, reached that age. Um, so it's a struggle and I wouldn't agree with certain things that she's doing to try to, like your grandma said, well, right. now it's easier because yeah. you, you have options. Um, but when I was younger, I would be told, like warned, right, to keep 
I don't know, my beauty somehow. And she tell me not to like laugh because I have a big mouth. Your mouth like, is I gorgeous. Lo- it's like, it's, just so you know, your mouth is what most women pay doctors <laughs> to make their mouth look like because it's beautiful and like pillows of, of like flowers. But <laughs> she didn't want you to laugh because it was going to do what? Like it made me wrinkles. I'm very expressive. And she'd be like, oh, put your eyebrows down or like, what, what are you doing? And I'm just like, as a kid, like, I don't know. I'm speaking. Wait, who my, cares about my, your face? Right my here. face. Yeah. My face moves. However it does. <laughs> so I would be told to be like, Oh no, no, don't frown like that. Or like, no, no. Like, and I, I, I really have trouble with that. Cause it's not natural for me to restrain my expression. On it's my not face. natural for anyone. That's why people yes. put injections in their head so they can't change it. But like when you were hearing that, were you ever like, what's happening? Or were you just like, this is what you have to do as a woman? No, it was like, like I said, I didn't relate to her. So she Mm -hmm. would tell me these things and I would kind of understand what she was like preserving me from. But then at the same time, I didn't feel beautiful the way that she identified with beauty. So it was like, she was buying me clothes and like telling me hey you have nice clothes why don't you wear that it will look better like why do you have to wear that and make yourself look like this or you know she was constantly trying to make me appear better but then under her image of what that looked like yeah but then a part of me was like mom it's hopeless I'm the way I, I look the way I do I'm not as pretty as you so why try like you know so for me it was like I I I get that I could improve a little bit, however, like, you know, what, by your suggestions, but it's a lost cause. So that was, did you take that in a negative way? Mm, I'd say that I felt through the criticism and through the suggestions, I felt a lot more hurt um, by, I guess, who I thought, uh, well, how I thought I was wrong as a person more than my appearance because I I was told that I was bad or I was wrong by your behavior times yeah then the actual physical appearance those were just like that's oh yeah you said it right that's mm-hmm. your worth so tell me what kind of behavior that you were doing that your family or your mother judged you as not correct behavior it was everything and nothing. <laughs> if, if I can, can like, you give us a little background? Like, cause you mentioned mm-hmm. that beauty is different in all cultures. Mm-hmm. So in my culture, which is Jewish and European, and we have immigrants that came. So we came to America and mm-hmm. were told that you have to look a certain way mm-hmm. and your shape needs to look a certain way. What was beauty stereotypically in mm-hmm. your culture? Yeah. The paler you are, the better. Um, being tall is good. I mean, I'm like five five, so I'm not even. I'm pretty average, I believe, in North America, but that's like pretty tall. Um, and I think for Asians, they're usually built quite small. You just mm. you just have a smaller frame. I don't necessarily. I'm pretty like average shaped in North America in the West, but that makes me very big boned in Asia. Like there would be times I, I, I buy like L and like XL everything in Asia. And sometimes shoes at the very beginning, not now, not anymore, because you go to the mall, it's all the same. But back in the day, when I would go shoe shopping, sometimes they wouldn't have my size and that's size eight. Yeah, which is what and I am, which is, which is just so you know, like the most average size that there is for a woman yeah. in America. Yeah. But for me, my mom would call my feet like big boats like big, big, big boats. So she judged your body and your, how you looked, which was a hundred percent not your doing as, and you felt that judgment. Yeah. What else in terms of behavior did she think you were not doing correctly? There were a lot of things where outright, um, whether it's in the household, okay, I left the bathroom a bit dirty, or like I should have folded my jeans a certain way, or how a schoolwork, or how I speak, you know, all those super things. high expectations. I'd say, <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily her expectation. I think it was really more like um, we were, me and my brother, we were very easy outlets for certain emotions so if we she noticed something 
not going well, she could kind of go there. And I mean, just to give an idea of like what I mean by I didn't really do much wrong, but then I still felt that rage. It's like, for example, she realized that I put something away wrong or I don't know, like something with the laundry, something really, really small. Or I lost something like, you know, children, you like misplace right, all the time. Lose stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So say I lost something and that she finds quite valuable or like, oh, that's so dumb. How can you lose that again? So, okay. That's the problem or that's the issue that she wants to tell me about. Right. I'd stand there and she just like monologue, lecture, <laughs> yell at me for a full half hour. I don't even know what about, but it'll go to all sorts of places. Like, oh, then yesterday you lost this and all oh, you just ran this. Yeah. And I just stand there like frozen because you're supposed to listen, but I'm not listening. I'm trying to like <laughs> ignore what's happening, but pretend like I'm listening. I just like stand still like frozen and be like, okay, when is this over? Okay. That's 20 minutes. I'm, I remember this little clock in the kitchen, like on this pillar. I'd be like, oh, that's 20 minutes already. Okay. Maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> I, love I, I just you. stand there. I just just stand there and like did you ever get, speak back you were supposed to say like uh-huh mm-hmm. that was but your if, culture yeah but if you said it in a way that like had a bit of attitude like oh, okay then, right oh, then it's gonna go on a bit longer <laughs> <laughs> so for self-preservation you were quiet and still and waited for it to be over oh yeah so per them it's is it's absolutely not physical abuse, but it's verbal. Because you are forced still, to stand you there feel and safe. just receive. You right. just receive that rage. Whatever emotions, whatever words, my parent could say it. I had nothing. Did your no brother choice. get the same? He was so quiet. He was smarter than me in that he was ca- more careful. I need to stop quiet. you right there because yeah. I know you're about to raise. Tell us what you're having. A girl, a girl. Okay. And we both know, because we're both in the, in the wellness world that hurt people will hurt people. And you've talked about, you mentioned, we're going to get into it, all the work we do. And I Mm -hmm. can imagine that you do not want to raise your daughter in any of the, any of this, right? No. Tell me what you think about, tell me what you think about when you, I mean, because you're a a month out from having the love of your life Mm -hmm. and Tell me what kind of pressure and or thoughts you have about what it means to be a mother since you had such an intense relationship with yours. Yeah. I realized, because I've been reading some books and doing a bit of research, I realized that there are certain ideas of philosophy I align myself with and they teach all sorts of techniques and how to be more patient and how to be a respectful parent and all of those things. But I realized through everything that most importantly is not necessarily what I say or the tactics I use that I copy from certain books. It's really how I'm being. Mm-hmm. I think she will absorb that most. So that means how I speak with my husband, how I treat yes. other people, the home environment we built like naturally energetically um and how I treat myself I think those are the biggest takeaways is more like what I'm modeling will be the the main message while what I say can support that or contradict that if I'm actually not living it at all and they'll they'll see that (laughs) they'll see that it doesn't make sense later on (laughs) can I tell you something so I have three boys and my oldest is almost 15 and I think for me what I've done from the beginning that I'm very proud of is I think about the kind of person I want them to become and what kind of environment I need to supply to bring that out. And for me, I care the most about raising people who are good humans in the world. And if that means that we are messy and we swear and we lose stuff and we wear our clothes inside out and backwards and we forget things, I'm totally okay with that as long as if they see someone drop something or they see someone being made fun of, or if someone's in need, they are, their eye is there and they're, they're showing up because I don't care about everything being perfect because it's not humanly possible. And I want to make them feel like, I remember when they were really little and they would get messy, they'd be afraid. And I'm like, the more messy means the more fun you're having. 
And so now they recite it. Like when we go somewhere, they're like, you know, like messy means fun. And I'm like, yeah, it does. Because you know how exhausting it is to keep it all so perfect. Yes. Yes. I'm excited for your journey. Like your little girl is going to be so lucky. I want to ask you since we're on this topic. Yes. Some of the moms I talk to say that their mother said nothing about their body but they said a lot about their own body and then the women Mm -hmm. internalized it or they watched them hate their bodies or hate some aspect of who they were, or they just had the direct like meanness. One of the things that we all need to be so mindful of is like you said, like the example we are to them. So is that something you consider about, you know, having a little girl and what she's going to think of? Yeah. I, I would say recently within the last year, finally hopped off that train of the diet mentality. Mm -hmm. I was, I think like the majority of women not happy with myself. And it was just um, this, it's like a yo-yo swing of like restriction or trying to control. And then that doesn't work. So then at some point you break and you eat everything that you wouldn't even normally want and you go overboard and you feel bad and the whole guilt tripping and then you exercise more and it kind of starts all over It's a again. cycle of just I was constant exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, was, I was doing that since um, probably quite young, maybe I wouldn't say teenager, but definitely when I got into college. So that was constant in my life. I didn't find that balance and it's such a mental thing to be honest it's not really a physical thing because if I felt hungry I'd be like oh no oh no like right what low calorie thing should I eat if I'm too full it's like oh no oh no I'm too full so it, it was never okay but I finally hopped off that train and I'm and for the first time and I'm so surprised that this whole pregnancy like I've been just at a good healthy weight I've been gaining well but I'm okay. Like I'm okay. I'm just following my hunger. And I realized like, my goodness is so simple. You just got to follow your hunger. You eat. When I you're love hungry, that. And that's, that's Will you tell formula. me what helped you step off the train. Like what was there a moment in time where you're like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I think I was struggling really hard and I was YouTubing a bunch of stuff. And I think I hit upon, I mean, I knew intuitive eating, but that wasn't quite enough. And I hit um, Meg who wrote um, a little book called diets make you, uh, is it diets make you fatter or or bigger or heavier? Like, um, which is a fact. It's like scientific studies have shown it's it's fact. (laughs) But um, her group is, I think, healthy, thin mentality. And it's, 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 it's just real people in there. And it's so supportive. And I realized, wow, men, women, every age, some women within the group, that private Facebook group have been struggling with like 50, like five, five, more than five decades. Oh yeah. I mean, I had an eating disorder from age nine active until 22. And then from 22 until two years ago, a mental harsh, like you just talked about restriction, the mean self-talk. You can't have this now, Carly. Look what do I, and I've actually heard my own self say to my own self, do I need to put a sign on this food in your refrigerator? So you remember why you're not supposed to have it like this mean. And I just like that. If I heard you say that, I would be like, Oh my God, stop it. Right. And so it just became this realization where I was like, I cannot continue like this. So once you started to see around you and, and hear and read about this different mentality, you made this choice. It was that before you got pregnant. That was, yeah. And then, so I imagine gaining the weight and changing your, as your body does for pregnancy, was that an actually easier process than you imagined because you were already starting to be kind to yourself? Actually, yes. Like, I mean, first time pregnancy, like you're kind of like, oh, well, like, what is that there? Like, right. you know, you're, you're actually kind of like curious and a bit shocked as to like what changes actually happen because it's not within your control and you're like, oh, okay. Um. <laughs> And so you're after, to know. right? So after yeah. you have the baby, you're like, what the hell? Like, why is nothing doing what it's supposed to do? And that, why do I still need to wear maternity clothes? Mm-hmm. And that's a whole cluster in our head. Yeah. 
So that's something that you definitely want to prepare for to understand that, like, I just made a human. Mm. Let's just give that a moment. Like, Mm. (laughs) I just made a human. I could tell you that you know what to do to take care of your body. And it doesn't mean starvation because that's going to be horrible for your daughter. Yeah. You know, and you want to be able to, it's, it's already hard enough because you're going to be so tired and yeah. you want to take care of you, like you said, yeah. so she can be taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for your journey. I am. <laughs> we're going to enter into lightning round. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Okay. If you could go back to yourself when you were standing in that kitchen while your mom was ranting mm-hmm. and then back to yourself when you were restricting and restricting and not feeling like you were enough, whether it was body stuff or like just living, what would you say to her if you had a little bit of time today? I feel like those emotions that I was struggling with in the moment, like, oh, I should be thin or like, oh, what's wrong with me? You probably deserve to be yelled at. And and that feeling of just shame and I'm so bad at that age, I did not have the skills to actually discern what what are my thoughts, what is this self-generated crisis before me. Yes, you're having a human experience that's emotional. That is valid. That is real. But all the thinking around what caused it and how you're at fault and what's wrong with you and believing those words from the outside that's none of it it's true it's all made up someone made it up or you're making it up or my mom's making it up someone made it up so to be able to actually see what kind of thinking is causing this suffering what am I believing to be true Mm. that's making me feel all this that makes it so so real I would go there I mean that that's something to be learned and practiced but at that moment, I didn't feel like I ha- had a choice, right? Like, it was like, okay, this is it. This is it. It's happening. I have no, I have no way to get out of here. But in fact, you can almost take that power away from the situation by recognizing, okay, what is real in this moment? I yes, have a question someone, with that. Mm-hmm, As a thirty-year-old mm-hmm. woman who's just about to be a mother, have you had an opportunity to talk to that girl in the kitchen? and give her what she needed that she couldn't get from her own mother. Have you yeah. had that chance? Yeah. You have. I, I, I needed, however, to kind of repeat this pattern of getting my boundaries crossed again and again and again by friends and in yes. university, by my husband, yes. all the way, like saying yes to everybody, just getting so hurt until I realized, okay, this hurts because I'm not providing myself the safe space. Mm. I'm not speaking up. I love I'm what not- you just said setting boundaries I'm not listening to how I truly feel what I need so it was as if I needed to get hurt more to realize wait 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 no one's coming to save me I need to create a safe environment and and it depends on what I do in this world okay so I love what you just said so much because when we are mean to ourselves, whether it's our body stuff or achievement and work, our people pleasing, all of it, yeah. we're not providing ourselves a safe space. And so while you can't go back to that girl in the kitchen and change things, and I can't go back to my nine-year-old self, what we can do today is do everything on earth to provide ourselves a safe space. I want to know how you incorporate that into your relationship coaching, because I want to hear a little bit about when you're working with those women, do you address and how do you address this issue in terms of their own self-worth? I have to tell you, I, I literally had a call with someone yesterday. All symptoms, symptoms of what's not working well in the relationship is that um, she's becoming quite bitter. There's more resentment. Um, she's holding grudges. So she tries to suppress those issues because she feels like, ah, it's no big deal. It doesn't, it's okay. He's a good guy. He does stuff for me. But then at some point she does mention something. And before you know it, it's this whole volcano of emotions and things that she's held in for 
a long time all come up this explosive um outburst and of course the poor husband cannot cannot work with that like it's it's not the type of communication when it comes to conflict that where you can actually address and resolve stuff so kind of that's where she's stuck in uh where, where she's stuck in this kind of conflict pattern and also with the, all the emotions inside now we were talking to her and at some point i picked up on something and i said you know if we're going to keep working together something needs to change it needs to change today or it needs to change slowly gradually over time but it needs to happen because everything you're telling me that you do want in this relationship that you want him to care more for you to put you first um to to reconnect you know draw him back in um like to feel special all of these things i'm like you want it i know you want it because you're telling me it but you don't believe that you can have it. You really don't think that you deserve it. Yes. And, it's and about I said, worth. that's an issue. And I said, that's an issue because we can help you along. But if you don't address that 20, 30 years from now, you're going to slip back into the same pattern because you don't believe you actually deserve to have that relationship or deserve to have to that attention from him. Or and to be treated did. a certain way, right? Exactly. To be and it hit home. She did realize that she was wishing for something that she didn't feel, like you said, she didn't feel worthy of having. And and I mean, that's one piece of the coaching that we do, just one piece. But it was crucial when I actually said to a client yesterday. <laughs> oh. It's true, right? I mean, it's all about our worth. We're not going to use our voices if we don't believe that we're worthy of it. So we can be mad about how a situation is or isn't going, but if we don't actually believe that we deserve it, you know, one thing I want to ask you, especially in your culture, and I was talking about this with my grandmother, is what does it mean to be a woman who uses her voice? So mm -hmm. in my grandma, who is European Holocaust survivor, was told that women who use their voice are bitchy, loud, obnoxious, pushy. And I said, what if we just use our voice respectfully and kindly, but stood in our power and asked for what we deserved and needed? And she's like, I could never do that. And I want to know what it's like where you were raised to be a woman who used her voice. Yeah. I'd say even how I come across physically, like my mannerism, even growing up as a little, little kid, because I moved to Canada when I was around seven, I think. So I'm a, I'm a mishmash of stuff. <laughs> but if you brought me back to China or you brought me back to my grandparents and whatever, they'd say, oh, this little girl. Because um, because you didn't in, behave the way that you were supposed to? No, because in Asia, like pretty, it's like quiet, prim and proper or cute cute is attractive too I, I think that's less in, in 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 but it's like oh very sweet cute uh, uh you know pure like girly teeny, image. like a doll yeah yeah, yeah like like a, this girly prim pretty well-behaved like quiet like I, i'm i don't even know this but in in japan i'm not japanese i'm chinese very similar culture i'd say in japanese um there's a a, a burger shop or a fast food shop and um for the uh, what do you call it like the plastic not the plastic the wrapping that wrapping yeah. that paper like that wax paper thing mm -hmm. um they have one for women where it has like someone with a burger with like a like a, like a smile like their their mouth so that when she eats it she can kind of hide behind it because no one wants to see a woman go <laughs> and bite into a that burger is, so do they literally only give it to women I'm not sure about that, but it's I know that wild. women use that and it's supposed to be for that. So they can kind of hide their bite as they eat it. Cause it's like a big, that's <laughs> wild. Half your face is covered. It's like a smiling girl with like a burger, you know, but she can like then take a bite. Cause when I, when I laugh and sometimes you see this in Asia, girls like cover their mouths. Yes. I never thought about why. Because it's not, it's almost like not decent, not proper, not, it's not cute and prim and proper to like, ha 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 ha. And the same thing with the, the burger, right? So you're trying to hide that. They would <laughs> hate me so much because I like cackle, like whiskey cackle. Like you can hear me laughing, like across a football field. 
And I imagine that that is really hard for females to be told smaller. I mean, the, the fact that your mother didn't want you to smile or laugh because it yeah. was going to make your face look a certain way. Yeah. Oh my God. Could you imagine telling your daughter that yeah. you're going to be so excited the first time she smiles, you're going to cry. Yeah. Right. You're going to want, yeah. you're going to want your face to get wrinkly with smile, happy mm-hmm. lines. Right. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you. Okay. A few more questions. I promise okay. in terms of your body, is there any judgment you would like to let go of? Judgment of my body. Well, right now it's a, it, it's a funny, funny phase. It is. It's kind of at that stage where Sometimes I'm even surprised that my, because my husband's like, oh, I love your belly. I love yeah. your belly. Can I rub it? Like, can I yeah. put some oil on and rub it? He, he's really, really happy, like, with the changes. And sometimes I'm even surprised. I'm surprised. It's it's almost as if I'm I'm flipping between what I find to be beautiful and getting mm-hmm. confused with what the world thinks as beautiful. Yes. So when my husband gives me the feedback, like, oh, I, like, I love how you look right now. I almost get confused. Like, Really? Like, do like you, you can't really believe find, it. Like you yeah, think like, this big, you know, is beautiful. And he's like, yes, I do. Yeah. And I get confused because that's not the norm, I guess, of, yes. of, of beauty for a woman. Um, so I think I sometimes get lost in that as in my, my mind can't handle <laughs> yes. reality and, and the idea of beauty. But, but for me, it's just like, it's a feeling it's yeah. a feeling and it's not so much about identifying with some idea anymore it's just like can I feel calm because I felt so much stress in my life looking at myself in the mirror mm. and it's more like how that image makes me feel so that calm like even if it's just calm and I look in the mirror and I'm not picking at like, what's that spot or right. like, what's there? Like, let me pinch that. If I don't do that, then it's a calm, it's a calm. And I think that is, that is a nice place to be. I don't even know if that calm has anything to do with beauty and acceptance, but it's a calm. It a hundred percent does yeah. because you're making the decision that you're not going to listen to what anyone else says. And you don't want to, like you said it, I don't want to pick apart myself. That's what I've done for my whole life. I want to know what you think your 80 year old self would say to you now. She'd probably say, you probably know more than you think you do. Mm. So, so trust that. I love that. Mm. What do you think beauty means since we were just talking about it? What does it mean to be beautiful? Yeah. I recognized true beauty when I was uh, teaching yoga at an old folks home. I mean, yes, they, they stretch me with me for an hour, but really they have coffee for two hours afterwards. <laughs> so, so they would always ask me, I'd join them and, and, and they're just like talking about everything. And, and, and it's, just, it's hilarious. It's really sweet. But you have this group of, I think, uh, 70 to 90 year olds. A lot of them used to be so fit, skiing and doing this, dancers, but they're they're getting rigid, you know. It takes time to turn over and to stand up and to reach for things, and sometimes they can barely reach for whatever I'm suggesting for their toes or whatever. So, so you see that that sitting around with all these people, and if you look at it from a modern standard societal beauty standpoint. It's a bunch of oldies with wrinkles and saggy this and that. But I was sitting there just watching them talk and they were still so bright eyed. They were so alive. They were so expressive and just having such a good time having coffee after yoga. And I just looked at these women and one, there's one husband. <laughs> and I thought, wow, they're so beautiful. They're just so, so, so beautiful. And it had nothing to do with what they looked like on the outside. I just felt them and they still had it. You know, they were so alive. And, and at that moment I realized, okay, this beauty that I feel and sense it, it has nothing to do with the amount of wrinkles. That just made me get teary because I think that a, a lot of women 
are afraid of getting older and afraid of not turning heads or being looked at as attractive and our bodies change. My mother's talked to me about like how aging is really hard, not just the physical beauty, but like you were saying, not being able to do the same things. But what I love is that you saw their beauty. And I want to remind myself that that's my responsibility for myself. I have a few more questions. I would say, oh yeah, go, no, go, please. I saw, I felt felt it. it. I felt it. That's the thing though, really. Like it was like, it reached me. Their beauty reached me and I couldn't even put my finger on it. But I love that so much. Yeah. These human beings were just so beautiful to me. Like that was it. What does it mean to be a strong woman? It's to be able to connect to yourself, whatever that means for you, whether it's acknowledging your emotions, recognizing your needs, recognizing your desires, or even like the dreams you have um, and expressing that. And I think that expression is crucial. There's no point in, oh, yes, I'm worthy. Oh, yes, I'm strong. But you don't speak it. You don't live it. You don't do it. You, it needs to be coming into this world. Like You need to show that somehow. What do you want others to say about you? Not much, really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know and I don't really Oh, I love that. I don't know and I don't care. (laughs) I love you. Last two. If you found out, and I'm so sorry to say this to you because you're so amazing and about to have a baby, but I just have to ask the question. Yeah. You found out that December 31st, 2021 was your last day on earth. Mm -hmm. What would you want to do this year? This year? Oh, that's a great one. I love this. This is maybe my favorite well it, it's a bit funny because it's like COVID I'm like oh what can I do I can't right. go anywhere <laughs> like oh, it's a, a little bit restrictive a little bit restrictive I think I just like love more and maybe hold back a little less oh my god I love that let's both do that I never want you to cover your smile you have a beautiful smile love more and hold back less last mm-hmm. question what one piece of advice do you hope every woman can hear from you? This does have to do with relationships because it's it has impacted me a lot, a lot, a lot, um, the changes I've made there. I want to say that for the longest time, I put up with stuff, both my behavior and from my husband. So it's not just like, oh, I, I, I just... Yeah, I was in a toxic relationship because of him. Absolutely not. But I, for example, there was bickering, nagging. I was criticizing him, putting him down for household stuff, being passive aggressive. Um, or or um, we'd have conversations and I would be that yes woman, that people pleasing yes woman. And I get my boundaries crossed and trust broken, like all these things, all of these things. And at that moment, every time any of these behaviors or things happen, it didn't feel good. You know, we didn't, I didn't feel good. And I feel like as women, we're brought up to just suck it up and mm. to keep pleasing others and make others happy and, oh, do this, serve this and, make, you know, that we, we are trained to ignore when something doesn't feel right. And sometimes those signals can be so subtle you know, it can be so subtle, but you know, it doesn't feel good. Yet we still put up with it because we're like, ah, doesn't matter. Let me suck it up and move on. It's something more important at hand here. Let me go address that or fix that or manage that. And I just ignored those warning signals, no matter how subtle or loud for years and years and years and years. And it put me in such a dangerous place. It puts you in such a dangerous place when you don't listen to that. Like, you're wise. So it was trying to tell you, but it's your choice to listen or not. So I feel like so many women actually wait way too long to actually acknowledge that what they're going through is not something that is okay. Mm -hmm. And so right now, after that process of healing and forgiveness and learning, 
right now my husband and I have this relationship where we don't put up with passive aggression. Like it's a sort of violence in a way when I'm picking on him, criticizing him and acting like I'm better than him. It's disempowering, even though a lot of the world believe, oh, that's what long-term old couples do. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe that it actually can be beautiful and kind and gentle and I can actually let go as a woman of all this control I was trying to hold, you know? So I'd say, listen to how you feel because it matters so much more than you think. And you think it might be a nuisance or something. Oh, I don't, ah, I don't want to go there. It's an, oh, it's just, you know, like you, you put it off. But actually that's the key. That was the key for me and my relationship to turn it around when I actually admitted how I felt and you used your voice and I told my husband exactly I told my husband how hurt I was yes I was scared to death of losing him of losing everything of breaking this image of the perfect wife who's okay who's happy who who was yes all the time I was scared to you were honest yeah but that made our relationship acknowledging what I actually felt and needed saved us and sometimes we think oh if I were to speak up it make things worse no and and if you keep going that way it won't get better it really won't can you imagine a lifetime of that of pretending to be something you're not for a whole life what that does not only to you and the other person but to your children and everyone around you right it's literally life without living death without dying you're just not being real I'm so grateful you did. I'm so grateful you shared that because we need to use our voices and it doesn't mean anything other than we're being real. Will you tell everybody how they can find you? So we just launched our podcast. Yay! Please join us and listen in there. Um, It's called the Awakened Wife Podcast, but you can just subscribe at awakenedwife.com. And also, if you want to check out any of um, our work when it comes to relationship, we have a very uh, big blog um, and lots of lots and lots of resources, like from fun things like date night ideas or like questions to ask your partner. I love questions. Yeah. To like heavier stuff, like quizzes that maybe could help you see whether there are toxic communication patterns in your relationship, things like that. But anyways, for all of those free things, you can head to uh, yourexceptionalrelationship.com. Yourexceptionalrelationship.com. I'm going to put all of that in the episode notes. I cannot wait to check out your podcast. Mm-hmm. I feel honored to have gotten to connect with you and your daughter who is with us right now. And yeah. I can't wait. You have to send me a picture when she comes into this world. Okay. Yes. And I want to stay connected because I feel blessed to have been in your presence. Oh, same here. Thank you so much. Thank you for showing up. I hope you have an amazing day and you feel healthy and strong and don't stop smiling. <laughs> I okay? will not. I promise Good. you that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback, and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day. And one more thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La, 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 la.